Welcome to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. How many guys have been, uh, you've been tested? Come on, you can raise your hand. You've been I know you say, you know, I want to, I want to talk about the seventh heaven and the seventh seal, and I want to talk about all this deep revelation of the Lord. And we've been going through forgiveness. It doesn't sound all that spiritual, huh? But how many of you know? How many of you guys are dealing with some pain in your life? We all are. There's some, there's some pain in our life around issues, society, relationships, and uh, there's offenses. And guess what? Offenses are a part of life. You, you cannot escape it. And even you may not have any offenses today, but when you get out here and get on 880 freeway driving home, I guarantee someone's going to offend you. You know, Pastor Steve, when I drive, uh, I need some deliverance in this area. Pastor Portia says I'm impatient, but I do like to leave a little space between the car in front of me. I don't like tailgating, so I like, and then when the person, I leave a little space and someone comes and smashes inside and gets in my space that I left, that's my little comfort zone, and they get on, then they, I, I, I need some deliverance still. I need some, you know what I'm talking about? I'm like, I'm trying to be a safe driver. I'm trying to leave space, and someone tries to just, you know, get it. Come on, how many guys have, someone's gotten in your space lately? And they're still in your space. And so, oh, Jesus. So anyhow, what was I saying? Offenses, being offended. You could have gotten offended today. If you, if you are looking for it, you, you can get offended at anything. You can get offended at me. You can get offended. Uh, you may even be offended at yourself, but uh, whatever. But um, as we before we jump into our scriptures today and continue on 70 times 7 in forgiveness, I wanted uh, church for us start sometimes at 9 a.m. We're here and preparing and our prayer team comes at 930 in the morning and it's welcome. You're open. Also on Tuesday night, come to our prayer service. But at 930, we're here praying for the service. And so Someone has been praying for you before you even got here this morning. When you were at Starbucks or when you were debating, should I come to church because it's raining? We were here praying for you, Lord. Bless them. Bless them. How many of you know all of us are products of prayer? You didn't get to here on your own. Someone prayed for you and someone birthed you into the, just like your mother brought you into the world. Someone birthed you into the kingdom of God and usually through prayer. And so we are praying this morning and we are talking about this issue of forgiveness. And so I wanted Chuck shared a little story and also Sister Edna about forgiveness. And this is just a little testimony as we're going through it. And then we're going to jump into the word of God and I'll try to get you out of here. I can't even see the clock, which is good. I was going to say maybe one o'clock, but I don't even know what that clock says right there. But uh, Chuck, can you come on up? And Edna is 223, 1220, 1223. Uh, but Chuck shared a, a little testimony. You don't have to go into all the details. I guess maybe personal, but Chuck or, or Edna. And Edna, you shared something too about forgiveness. And if you want to come up to the platform, everyone can see you. You can. Thank you, Pastor. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say mine first because Brother Chuck always has a good joke to tell at the end of his. <laughs> Okay. Um, when we first got the book on forgiveness, I figured I don't, I don't need that. And so I started uh, to study it. And as I studied it, of course, it put the uh, light on my heart. And I am the type of person that if you do something to me, I'm not going to 
get revenge, but I will ignore you, and as far as I'm concerned, you don't exist in my world. I'll speak to you, I'll be nice to you, I'll feed you, but that's the extent. And I started looking at myself and I said, that's not forgiveness. I still get the chance to hold on to the fact that you did that to me, and you may not know it, but I know in my heart. And I just thank God for our pastors and for this study, because it, um, when it, that one part that says that we hold people prisoners in our heart. And I said, Lord, open up the prison cells of my heart so that I can forgive, truly forgive, and truly see people as you see them. And when people hurt me and I look at them, God, let me see them in your eyes, not in Edna's, because I feel like I don't deserve it because I didn't do that to you, and I didn't do that, and I'm good. I pay my tithes. I come to church. That's not going to get you in heaven. Your heart being pure and clean and open before God is what's going to get you in heaven. So I thank God for his word, and I thank God for this study. Yeah, I, uh, I can remember, well, I got, I accepted the Lord, come back to the Lord in 69 over on the old haven of rest, but, uh, and I was doing good, and I had issues or whatever, but uh, I was confronted in 19, let's see, 2004, I retired from the post office, and uh, I really hadn't experienced a lot of deep forgiveness, but God was going to Sometimes he'll bring you to a different level, and boy, he'll, there's a, uh, something will come into your life that will deepen that. And uh, so he allowed a partnership. The guy wasn't a Christian, and I went in partnership with him, and he deceived me, took three quarters of all my savings, but it was the spiritual devastation that I felt. I mean, it was just... I'd never felt such betrayal, it hurt, and, uh, and I, I think back on it, I'm thinking now, why did I call on the Lord? Finally, I just, it was weeks or whatever, and, uh, but I got, I so hungered for the peace of God again, and, and being able to hear it, feel his presence, I couldn't, uh, and I said, and I'd heard about it, uh, the Lord, look what he went through, and he forgave us. So the Holy Spirit reminded me of all these things, and uh, I can remember, out of desperation, you see, I, the Lord had to give me des get me desperate enough in my heart to want his presence again. So I remember, I said, Lord, uh, I'm going to forgive him in words, but I don't, uh, I don't feel that I could heal him. <laughs> And, uh, but it was the desperation that I felt to want his presence again. So that's what started it and uh, it took a lot of our, our savings and everything. And I look back and I'm thinking uh, that he's restored everything. And it's just, it's just been beautiful. Thank you, Chuck. And I'm sure many of you have stories and uh, of God's grace and how God has brought us through. Come on, am I the only one? But many of you I know, and it's a continual process. Well, here in our fourth week going through this checkup on our hearts in this area of walking in love and forgiveness, 
uh, Matthew chapter 6. If we can put that verse up, starting in verse 8. Thank you. Therefore, do not be like them. Who is them? People that don't have faith in Christ or those people that are, are not of the faith. Don't be like the world. For your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. That's why we don't have to pray and beg God for this. God knows what you have need of before you even come to him. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We all know this. Give us this day our daily bread. Everyone say, this day. Come on, this day. We don't have tomorrow. You can't go back into yesterday, but this is the day you've made. Give us this day our daily bread. And that's just not talking about what you're going to eat for lunch. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Come on, how many of you guys got some debtors? Hopefully you don't have any more debtors. Hopefully as on this fourth week of going through this, you've gotten rid of all your debtors, people that you feel like still owe you. If not, we're going to continue this series for another month. No, I'm only... And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I like that. Come on, I need deliverance. Come on, how many of you need some deliverance? You need deliverance in your mind. You need deliverance from thoughts. You need deliverance from attitudes and attitudes. Come on, how many of you need some deliverance from yourself? Do not, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And here we go. After that wonderful Lord's Prayer, or actually the disciples' prayer. For if, everyone say if. If you forgive men or people their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, there's another big word, but, but if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. How many of you know the promises of God, the principles, they're conditional? Come on, they're conditional. There's conditional. And a lot of us, we want the miracle, the miracle power of God. We want God just to come and touch us with the miraculous. But there's also principles that we have to live in obedience to Christ. Now, as we were going through this series, I'm going to read this story. And then we'll, we'll jump into uh, the rest of the verses, but session one, Brother Scott, this is just for a little bit of review. Maybe you weren't here the last few Sundays, but the first week we went through what is forgiveness, what is unforgiveness, and how unforgiveness delivers you to torture. You say, well, God will do that. Yes, he will. God loves you too much to leave you in first grade the rest of your life. God loves you too much. God's going to love you to change. And so there's something that will happen. Now, God will not torture you, but when you disobey his commandments, then something happens because you're walking in disobedience. You're going to be delivered to torture, and that may just be not having any peace. How many of you guys have ever, and I don't have this issue, thank you, Jesus. Not right now, I don't. But uh, Pastor Porsche and I, we have different personalities. But sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night, and I'm sne sleeping, snoring, and she's up. And I'm like, what are you doing? I said, why aren't you sleeping? And she says, I can't sleep. I'm thinking about this or I'm thinking about that. Or there's something on her mind and our minds work differently. And sometimes, how many of you guys have ever lost sleep because you were so hurt or mad or offended or something happened traumatic to you that it did something to you and that you didn't have peace? You couldn't 
sleep and you didn't have rest. And so session one was how unforgiveness delivers you to the torturers. And number two was the five requirements of lasting forgiveness. Someone said, Pastor Steve, well, how do you do it? How do you forgive somebody that doesn't deserve it? How do you do it when you, you don't want to be a hypocrite? You don't feel like doing it. They don't deserve it. And you don't, you don't want to be fake. You don't want to be phony. But the five requirements, we know this was what the first one was. You have to open up your heart. You have to be open. Life will want us to close up. The book of Proverbs says to guard your heart for out of it flows the issues of life for us to guard. So we have to open up our heart. We have to extend compassion. We have to release them from the prison of our heart. We have to forgive them. That means you're not expecting them to apologize. They're, they may never do it. There's a lot to but you have to forgive them. And then how you forgive is that when it's all over, you pray a prayer of blessing. Just like you want God to bless you, you say, Lord, bless them. It's not about do they deserve it? It's not about what they did or didn't do. It's not about if they ever made restitution to you. It has nothing to do with them. It has to do with you walking in obedience to the Lord. And God wants it. And that's, that's, this is tough. This is like Jesus was like, you know, it's easy for you just to love everyone that loves you. Right? Come on, love is easy when everyone's doing what you want them to do and they they're giving you money and they're buying you stuff and everything is fine but that relationship is tested when you're crossed Woo, jesus this is not fun preaching i'll tell you that because i know i'm be tested in it when you're crossed and then last week pastor mike he did an excellent job and he shared on what happens, session three, what happens when you don't forgive? And you remember that slide? Remember all the, the, the nine different areas where we forgive? And so now we're going to the fourth session today, and it's how do you do it? Everyone say how. how. Someone said, get the how out. <laughs> Come on, get the how out of here. I just remember some preacher said, get that, got a t-shirt, get the how, because all of us want to know how's God going to do it? Well, we're going to, he's going to make us willing. And so before we continue, I'm going to read you a story. And this story is a true story. And it was, for those of you that watched our videos, uh, the gentleman that created 70 times 7, Bruce Wilkerson, he used this story in session four. And he told this story, and it's about Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom was born in Holland in the early 19th century. And her family helped uh, persecuted Jews escape Nazi Germany in the 40s. And so her and her sister were captured and they were arrested and put into a Nazi concentration camp where her younger sister died because of starvation, because of the treatment of the Nazis. And so Corrie Ten Boom, she passed away in California, I think in 1984. But this is her story. She said, this is her testimony. She said, it was in a church in Munich that I saw him. A balding, heavyset man with a gray overcoat with a hat clenched between his hands. People were falling out of the basement room where I had just spoken they were moving along the wooden rows of chairs to the door in the rear of the church. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland back to defeated Germany with a message that God forgives. 
Think about that. Going back to the place where you were. It was with truth they needed most to hear. In the bitter, bombed out land, I gave them my favorite mental picture. Maybe because the ocean or the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind. I like to think that's where God throws our sins. If we confess our sins, I said, God will cast them into the deepest ocean forever. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't bring your sins back up and rub them in your face? Come on, aren't you thankful? Come on, think about how many sins that you and I, that God doesn't regurgitate our ugly and our sins and say, remember when you did this? Or I'm not going to forgive you for that. I'm only going to. So God throws them. Come on, so Lord, how many of you guys got some issues with, with your memory? Help our memory. So it says, the solemn faces stared back at me. They didn't even believe what I said. There was never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People just stood up in silence. In silence, they collected their clothes. And in silence, they left the room. But that's when I saw him working his way toward me against the others I saw his overcoat and the brown hat next the blue uniform and his cap with its skull and crossbones then it all came back to me with the rush the huge room with the harsh lights and all the pile of the dresses and the shoes in the center of the floor and the shame of us walking naked past the guards are this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, her ribs, her sharp ribs beneath her parched skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me and his hand thrust out. Fine message, Fraulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are in the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken about forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take his hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember the one prisoner from the thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. He was saying I was a guard there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me of, for all the cruel things that I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips. Fraulein, again, his hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I whose sins had every day been forgiven and I could not. 
Betsy died in that dark place. Could he, her, could he erase her slow, terrible death simply by asking for forgiveness? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed like hours, and I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. But I knew I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your heavenly father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Listen to this. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. But those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was that simple and also as horrible as that. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an, an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Let me say that again. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so, woodenly and mechanically, I lifted my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current of God's love started in my shoulder and raced down my arm and sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bring, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. And thus learn to forgive in this hardest of situations. I never again had difficulty in forgiving. I wish I could say it. I wish I could say that merciful and charitable thoughts just naturally flowed from me from then on, but they didn't. The one thing I've learned at 80 years of age is that I can't store up good feelings and behavior, but I can only draw on God every day for his grace and his love. And the story goes on. And so you think about that story. I know that is an extreme case and a, an extreme atrocity. And some of you have had stories like that and been victims of abuse and situations. And, and, uh, and those are true. Those are terrible experiences, and we don't condone any of those acts. But also, how I many you know God is so merciful that no matter what we've gone through in life 
and it could be relational or physical or emotional or verbal, that God gives us his grace. He gives us his grace. I want you to turn in your Bible with me. I want to go to a story today in Luke, and we know this. But as you're turning there, I'm going to share with you some preparations. Luke chapter, Luke chapter 8. And so how do we forgive? How do we do it? How do we do it? The first thing we have to do is that we have to prepare that we're going to do it. You just have to make up your mind. Says, you know what? I'm going to do it. That's part of it. Preparing your heart. Says, you know what? I'm not going to stay in this place anymore. Have you guys ever decided that it was time for you? How many of you guys like sleeping in on a Saturday morning or sometimes on a Sunday morning and you don't even like getting out of bed? Now, I don't have that issue. Uh, I'm a morning person, but I like going to bed early. But anyhow, uh, sometimes I do, though. But come on, you have to make a decision. Now, I'm just going to arise and do it. And so the first thing you have to do when we're dealing with forgiveness is you prepare yourself and you prepare to forgive others by making the decision. And then after you make that decision, I'm going to do it, you have to do something. You have to name them. Maybe you have to get out your smartphone or get out a piece of paper, and you have to put their name down and list them down. I've done that. This is part of our, and when you name them, you also make a list. You're not in denial of it. And that is the first thing. You prepare your heart. You make a decision. You name, you create a list. And then this is the process of forgiving. And we touched on this in the second week. You open up your heart to God. You open up your heart to God and says, God, I'm going to obey you more than my feelings. And so you open up your heart and then you extend compassion to that person. Does extending compassion mean you condone the offense? No, it does not. Extending compassion, it says you see people in the eyes of God and you separate the person from what they did or what they said. So you open your heart, you extend compassion, you then release that person. You say this verbally. You have to say it out. God, how many know you overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word of your testimony, and loving not your life even unto death? And so part of your testimony and loving Jesus is you make a a declaration, you release it. Just like salvation comes by you opening your heart. Romans chapter 10, right? If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, if you confess with your mouth, and it says with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So there's power in your declaration. There's power in your words. How many guys realize that? How many guys said something this week you wish you could have took back? That's why David said in Psalm 19, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. And so you have to release them and say, you have to say, Lord, I release them. And then you forgive each person of the wound. And after you release them, you bless them. You bless them. Say, Lord, bless that person. Bless them. I, I, can, I commend them. This is what you do. You don't condemn them to hell. Even though we may feel like it. Come on, how many of you guys ever feel like getting vengeance? Come on. Or you want to send them somewhere. Maybe not to hell, but you want to send them into a wreck or something. Maybe there's some vengeance there. So you don't condemn them. You don't necessarily condone 
what they did, you commend. That's the other C. You commend them to God. And that's what blessing is. Blessing is, Lord, I commend this person to you. I commend. I'm the vengeance is yours. And so those are the steps to do it. That's the process of forgiveness. And then when you do that, guess what? The third thing that happens is you get peace. You get peace. Because you can't create peace. You can try to go drink, smoke, sex, shop, eat, whatever else, exercise, whatever, all those things that you want to think are going to bring you peace. And guess what? Have you ever tried to do all that and you realize I still don't have it? Because peace is only found in Jesus. Peace is only found by you saying, Lord, I'm going to surrender and do things. It's not, you may be temporarily satisfied, but it's peace and the peace that comes from forgiving. And so you bless and peace will come to you. And so here's this story in Luke. Let me get to Luke chapter 7. Let's pick it up in verse 36. And you guys know this because here's the story and that we, we also know this story in the book of Mark. And there was this man named Simon. Simon was a Pharisee and he had leprosy and he lived in Bethany. And you guys heard me preach about this before. But Simon, who was a Pharisee, he was a religious person. And when you are self-righteous and you become religious and you start to pass, Lord, Lord I thank you, I'm not like that anymore. You start, you get, you get self-righteous or you get spiritually prejudiced. And so f- religious people have that air about them. And so Simon was a Pharisee, and he knew the Bible. He knew the first five books. He was a Pharisee, and he lived in this town called Bethany. And Bethany means misery. And to top it all that, he was a leper. And that, that seems like they all go together. Religion, misery, and leprosy all go together. And they can come from unforgiveness. And so here is Jesus, and he shows up to this place. Aren't you glad that Jesus shows up in misery? Aren't you glad he shows up in religion? He shows up even in sickness where there's leprosy, and it could be spiritual leprosy. And so he comes to this man's house, and he shows up there, and he's sitting down. And then it says there was this certain woman who was a sinner. And she shows up and she's on her knees behind Jesus and she has something with her. She has an alabaster box full of precious ointment. And you've heard Pastor Portia say this before. God doesn't necessarily want your best. God wants your worst. He wants that area that may have hurt you the most or cost you. And so here's this woman. She shows up and she falls at his feet and she's crying with her tears And her tears are so, she has so many tears that she's washing Jesus' feet with her tears. And then she takes the very thing that's her glory. She takes her hair. Come on, women. Can you imagine taking your hair, that thing that you uh, love and it's part of your glory and your beauty, and she doesn't care anymore. She's so desperate to be at Jesus' feet that she's crying with her tears and The tears are creating some mud on Jesus's feet and she takes the very thing that's precious and it's her glory. It's her identity. And she takes that hair and she wipes the mud off of Jesus's feet with her hair. And then she begins to kiss his feet. 
And then after she's done kissing, she takes this ointment that was worth a year's wages, was worth a lot of money, was worth something. And she breaks it upon Jesus. But here's Simon. He's watching this. Simon, the Pharisee, he's watching. And he was thinking in his mind, he was like, if this man were a prophet, if this man really were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman that is. Come on, that's what religion will do. Religion will start causing you to become critical and judgmental and start looking at, you'll start looking at God funny. You'll start judging God. You walk and you, you carry up uh, religion and unforgiveness and bitterness. You'll start, man, God doesn't love me. God's not real. God's not real. If God is really real, why did he let that happen? If God is really a loving God, why did he allow that to happen to me? And so Simon is there and he's, quite, he's just thinking to him, aren't you, don't you, this is scary, that God knows your thoughts. Because in the one translation it says, Jesus turns to Simon and he answers his thoughts. And he says, Simon, I got something to say to you. And Simon is still full of pride in there. He was like, well, say it, man, say it. And so Jesus says, there were, I'm going to tell you a story, Simon. There was a creditor that had two debtors and he lent both of them money one he lent five hundred thousand dollars to the other he lent fifty thousand but both debtors could not repay the debt and so the creditor freely forgave both of them he says simon who's going to love the creditor more And so Simon does the basic math. He says, well, I guess the one to whom more was forgiven. And he says, Simon, you've rightly judged. You've rightly said so. And then he says something to Simon. He says, Simon, you see this woman? He says, when I came into your house, Simon, you didn't even give me water, which was the custom to wash my feet. But this woman has not ceased to wash my feet with her tears and wipe them with her hairs. Simon, you didn't even greet me with a kiss, which was the custom. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet. Simon, you didn't even give me a little bit of oil from my head, which was also the custom of the day. But this woman has anointed me with precious oil. And her sins, which are many, are forgiven. And then all the religious people, they got, they got all twisted. And they were like, who is this man? That he, who does he think he is? He can forgive sins. And then Jesus looked at the woman. He says, woman, your sins are forgiven. Go. Your faith has saved you. And you say, Pastor Steve, why did you tell us that story? Because... Our walking in love and forgiveness is directly related to how to the revelation of how much God has forgiven us. It's that simple. It's that simple. Our walking in forgiveness and being like Jesus, we're not going to preach on forgiveness. But as a believer in Jesus and someone that has a revelation of God's grace and his mercy and his love, I don't know about you. I says, I want to be one that loves great. 
Because I want to always remember and say, Lord, thank you for your salvation. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for freedom. Thank you. Now, does it mean it's easy? No. But you know what grace is? Grace is God's ability when you don't feel like, have you ever just did something and you didn't feel like it, but you walked in obedience and God came and showed up and did something? Have you ever even been in a prayer meeting and it felt like your prayers weren't even going to the ceiling or you came to church and you didn't feel anointed? You felt like, where is God? It could have been this morning for you, but then out of obedience, you says, Lord, I'm not going to be denied. I'm just going to sit there and I'm going to wait upon you and allow your grace to come and fill me. Don't you know that God will bypass your natural mind and your natural body? Because sometimes we are so natural. We live in a natural world. We have to deal with natural things. We have to deal with natural money and bills and jobs and people. But how many know that God is spirit and they that worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. And everyone say to you, say, come and say, I'm spirit with a soul in a body. But the issue is sometimes we are so body oriented that our spirit man needs to become alive. And so when we come into the house of God, sometimes there has to be a resurrection above our flesh into the spirit of God. And God is so faithful and he gives us grace to obey. He gives us grace and grace is strength. Grace is the strength of God to do what you can't do in the natural. You may say, I could never do that. Yeah, you're right. You can never do it. But with Jesus, you can do it. You can do it. Now, you want to say something, Portia? Pastor Portia wants to preach to you now. I want to say something real quick because I have to go pick up the food. So I'm going to say this real quick because it was something that he read to me. And I read, we read together last night in the same story that he was reading of Corey Tim Boom. And then what happens later on is her friends people that were close to her did her wrong and um, she talked she knew she had to forgive she knew she had to let it go but what happens is uh, someone comes over her house time later and she still she went through all the motions of the forgiveness but she didn't let it go because when someone asked her but this is how you know if you really forgave somebody when somebody asked her about it she said Oh, yeah, 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 I remember that. I remember me talking about that. And yeah, yeah, I forgave them. Yeah, they said, they said it didn't happen. They said it didn't happen. But I had proof in my desk. If you allow me, I'm going to go over and get it. I got the proof in my desk. And then the guy said, hold it, hold it. Wait a second. So you, even though God takes your sins and puts it in the sea of forgetfulness forever, you still have record of theirs? And the Holy Spirit convicted me because your pastor, Portia, had a tape of when someone was lying on me. And I said, well, next time if anybody asks, I'm going to say, yep, here it is. And I said, Stephen, I got to erase the tape. I got to erase the tape. Because God is not looking for your best. He's looking for that thing that cost you something. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Pastor Marion, if you can come back to the piano. You think about Jesus. Here is Jesus going to the cross. 
going to die, going to face pain and ridicule and suffering that you and I have never known. Crucifixion. You want to know how bad crucifixion is? Just Google it. Look it up. And so here it is. He's eating with his boys at the Passover, John 13. And he finishes the meal. And we all recognize this because when we celebrate the Lord's table, we break the bread and we take the cup and we're thankful. But Jesus also did something else at that Passover that he fulfilled. It says, now the feast of the Passover was over and Jesus knew that his hour had come and that he should depart this world to the Father. And he loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. Don't you know that Jesus is going to love you to the end? Jesus will love you to the end. Even when you're a knucklehead, even when you're in disobedience, even when you're trying to run away from God, God's love will come and keep knocking at the door of your heart. Why? Because God loves like that. He wants the best for you. And he wants you to want the best. Verse 2, and supper being ended, the devil already had put into the heart of Judah, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Hope he wasn't related to that other Simon I was talking about. Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things into his hand, he rose from the supper and had laid aside his garments and he took a towel and girded himself. Verse 5 of John 13. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. This is Jesus now, the king of the universe. God Almighty. Then he came to Simon Peter and said, and Peter said to him, Lord, why are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I'm doing, you don't understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said, you're never going to wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. I like that. Wash all of me, Jesus. Come on, you can say, Lord, come on. Wash all of me, Jesus. And Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. Verse 12, so when he had washed their feet, He had taken his garment and sat down again and said to them, do you know what I've done to you? You know that Jesus wants to do something to us, not just for us. A lot of us, we always look to God. What are you going to do for me? Come on, right? I come to church. What is God going to do for me? But don't you know there's a time when God wants to do something to you? Like when God does something to you, you are going to be marked. Like if God does something to you, it's like Jacob, you will never walk the same again. Someone once said to me, never trust a person that does not walk with a limp. 
What does that mean? They have not been dealt with by God. So when God does something to you, how many of you know you're going to walk a little bit different, right? Come on. How many of you guys got some limps? You know that God has processed you. And so Jesus says to them, this is what I've done to you. You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for I am he. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. And if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So, Lord, today, as we come to a close, we thank you for gracing us with your presence. Lord, help us to be more like you. Lord, even as the Apostle Paul says, that I might know you in the power of your resurrection and also in the fellowship of your suffering. So, Lord, help us to honor and love one another. I want you to know that Pastor Portia and I, we love and appreciate each one of you. And I want to personally thank you for the love and appreciation shown to us last week. But I want us today, before we go from this place, if you could just stand to your feet. Maybe you can join hands with the person next to you. We don't realize how precious we are to one another and how much we really need each other. The last few days, we've seen the Lord intervene. One of my spiritual fathers who's in a hospital in Atlanta. And on Friday, I got the call praying for my niece and nephew. Uh, He was in ICU. He was spitting up blood. It looked like it was over. They called the family to come in to say goodbye. He was going on to be with into heaven. And they were even talking about his service, his funeral. Um, But God intervened. And the natural looked hopeless. And the natural, we thought we were going to be having a a service. And I, I thought about what it meant Uh, what a person's life meant someone that impacted you that touched you a spiritual person a spiritual father and but God seemed fit to leave him here and so you know what I got from that I was like you know let me never take my family my spiritual family for granted let me never take our time gathering here in the house of the Lord sometimes we can come in and we can do church we can do service we could sing songs we could preach we could pray we can prophesy And those things are all important. But to realize that the Lord has graced us this day to be with one another. I can go around and try to name all of you, but I won't do that. I don't want to forget any one of you, but uh, I want you to realize that relationships are so important. And unity. And not allowing offenses and hurts and unforgiveness and bitterness. Is it going to happen? Yep. Are you going to be offended? Yep. Am I going to get offended? Yep. Someone going to hurt us? Yes. But how are we going to respond? And so, Father, thank you for the family of God today. Thank you for the family of Encounter Church. Lord, we bless. I bless. I bless each home here. I bless each marriage, each relationship, Lord. 
husbands and wives and children and fathers and mothers, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters and cousins and Lord, those. And Lord, we pray your blessing upon each one today. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. And before you go, maybe you want to just hug someone, give them a high five. And uh, remember, please, if you need some special prayer, we'd be glad to pray for you. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit EncounterJesus.us or search for Encounter Church San Leandro in your app store.